you're welcome to give more than it costs if you'd like to. <laughs> Amen. I give honor to Bishop and Pastor Varnum, this great, wonderful family, Varnum and Varnum Incorporated, and uh, this magnificent church that hosts this conference creates such an atmosphere. Amen. Brother Davis, who spoke this morning so profoundly, I got about ten messages out of his one message that I'll be preaching, and everybody will be thinking I got great thoughts. And uh, they say if you're going to steal a sermon, steal from the best. (laughs) Amen. I'll try to internalize it, but what magnificent teaching he's done and will do in this conference. and. Brother Davies, that's going to be speaking tomorrow. I'm so anticipating hearing Bishop Davies and the word that he's going to bring. <clears throat> Give honor to our fellow evangelists that will also be preaching here Sunday, Brother Greg Godwin, and all the other evangelists that are here. God bless you. I wish I could see you and name you all. Amen. Now, I preach with a timer just like the young men do. Of course, I give myself a little more time. And I, since I control the timer, see, they, they don't get to control it. I, I decide when to start it. I haven't started it yet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thankful to have my wonderful wife, 28 years, here with us. You don't know it, but she can preach too. Mama can prophesy, let me tell you find myself in some of these services sometimes where I'm not sure what to do. I just call her up. She gets the prophesying speaking words, and then I just get in the vein. Hallelujah. (laughs) Psalms chapter 24, verse 3, 4, and 5. I give honor to all of the great men and women of God that are here, all the young uh, ministers, or as Brother David, David said today, the newer ministers. I honor you and consider it a great privilege and a great honor to stand here and speak to you. And I have a word from the Lord. And I'm going to do my best to help you with it. About time I get that mic out of there and unbutton this coat. Psalms chapter 24, verse number 3. If you found it, say amen. amen. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? That's the question. Here's the answer. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. I want to talk about them high places. I want to talk about that holy hill. I would like to speak into future ministries here tonight. I want to preach to you from the vantage point of looking back. I've got 28 years now. A lot of mistakes. (laughs) A lot of failures. A lot of things I could have and should have done better. So from the vantage point of being able to look back. I would like to preach to you tonight the privilege and the peril of high places. 
the privilege and the peril of high places. I, there is so much anointed power in this room. And I feel a sense of destiny. And the revival that is about to be entered into is going to be entered into by you and me. Miracles are going to be accomplished. Ministries are going to make profound impact. I'm going to ask you to do something maybe a little out of character, but will you close your eyes together real tight, and would you pray? I want us to pray right now, just for about a minute, just a minute or so, but would you pray that God's divine destiny would be fulfilled in your life, that you would not do anything to harm it, derail it, that you would walk worthy of the vocation, that you would find the footsteps of your destiny, Pray that you will go, you will be, and you will do the will of God for your life. Ministries on the anvil tonight, oh God. We want to be like clay on the potter's wheel. We want our faith to be lifted and our consecration to be deepened. Help us dig deep, O oh Lord, that we can go high. Oh, God, let it be real, authentic, genuine, through and through apostolic. Let us follow in the footsteps, Lord, of those great apostles and the pioneers of this faith. Push just a little further to pray in the Spirit. You will need to receive this message in the Spirit. Now, would you let it break forth in high praise? Clap your hands. Let your hallelujahs out. Let the mighty anointing of God destroy every yoke. I loose the apostolic anointing of the house. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in your holy matchless name, O Lord God Almighty. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is looking for someone he can use for his glory. It was not an introductory remark. It's not a prelude to something more. God is looking for someone He can use for His glory. We need spiritual heroes to be born in this conference. We need giant killers to be born here. I think somewhere out there there's a David. I think somewhere out there there's a hero in the making. I feel like somewhere out there, there's somebody that's going to go beyond the ordinary. You're not going to be average. 
You're not going to be an also-ran. God's looking for someone He can put His hand on, His anointing on, and He can elevate you. I believe we're going to a new level. Anybody want to go to a new level? I believe God's looking for someone in this conference He can take to a new level. He's ready to do it. His eyes are going to and fro. He's looking for the heart. He's looking for the spirit. He's looking for the character. He's looking for the desire. He's looking for the passion. He's looking for the hunger. There are spiritual heights that have yet to be explored. I have been very privileged to see great revival. I've seen hundreds of thousands of people receive the Holy Ghost, blind eyes open. Deaf ears unstopped, crippled limbs. I can stand before you and say with my own eyes, I have seen the miracles of the book of Acts, all of them, duplicated somewhere in some way in this generation and under and in the work of ministry. But I tell you tonight, we've not seen it all yet. We've not done it all yet. There is yet an 11th hour revival to be experienced, and it is greater than we've ever imagined. There are heights that no one's been to yet. There are depths that no one's been to yet. There's revivals that nobody's experienced yet. There's miracles that nobody's seen yet. But somebody here is going to see it. Somebody here is going to taste it. Some evangelist. Victor, maybe it's you, Victor Jackson. Maybe you're the one I'm preaching to tonight. Maybe you're going to rise up and the hand of God is going to let you impact this generation beyond anything we could have. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I don't know who I'm prophesying to. But I speak faith into you tonight. I speak passion into you tonight. I speak a new anointing upon your ministry here tonight. Who knows? Who knows, Jeremiah? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're going to rise up and see more miracles and more harvest than anybody that has ever yet preached this message. I don't know, but somebody, Brother Crosley, some, maybe it's you, Brother Crosley, maybe you're going to see the greatest revival. Maybe God is going to do something with you that he's never done with anybody else. And we're going to see a whole new thing happen. I I don't know, but somebody... There's a mountain out there that nobody's ever climbed. There's a, there's a height that nobody but somebody is going to go. Who wants to go? How many want to go to a high place? How many are ready for the next level? Who wants to ascend to the hill of the Lord? Come on, does anybody want to go to that holy hill? Does anybody want to go to that high place? I want to get up on that holy hill of God. I want to get to that high place of the Spirit. Mountaintops provide extreme opportunities to experience the view without distraction. When you get up high enough, there's nothing to block your vision. You can see further. It's true in the spiritual realm. Spiritual heights provide scenery, not experienced at lower levels. Yeah. 
That's why I like to be a worshiper. That's why I like high praise. Because if you can get it high enough, you can get up above the storms of life. Now, you're not, you're not hearing. We got to get up there to the high places. We can't have low-level church. Come on, we can't have low-level church. We got to have high church. You got to get up there in the high places where you can see in the spirit what you can't see just on any other ordinary day. I believe there are people in this room, men and women alike, striving to reach the high places of the spirit. Trying to get up there on the mountain with God. Let me tell you, spiritual gifts are up there. If you can just get up there, spiritual gifts are up there in the high places. Spiritual victory is there. There's a new vision there. If you can just get up there, you can see your new anointing from there. You may not see it from here, but if you can get up there, you can see it from there. You can see the miracle up there. You can see the revival up there. You can see the new church building up there. You can see the harvest up there. If you just can get up there high in the Spirit, you'll see what you're not seeing now. We can just get up on the mountain. We can reach those places in the spirit. That spiritual high will forever change us. Moses went to the mountain. He communed with God in the high place of the mountain. He came down with the Ten Commandments. He came down with a word from God. He came down with a tabernacle plan. He came down with a word... And he came down with a plan. Hear me, if you'll just get to the mountain, you'll come down with a word. And you'll come down with a plan. And when he came down, his face was shining with the glory of God. You'll come down with a new shine. You'll come down with a fresh glory resting upon your life. But you you got to get up there. Not ordinary stuff, extraordinary stuff. In Matthew 17, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a high mountain, the Bible said. A high mountain apart. (laughs) It's not the ordinary stuff. These are not the places you get to every day. Nobody went there but disciples and only three of them. He was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun. His raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias. They were having good church. That's not ordinary church. They get up there on the mountain. They received a revelation up there on the mountain. They saw Jesus like no one had ever seen Jesus before. His flesh was transfigured. His inner radiance and inner glory came shining out. They saw him like no one had ever seen him. They got up on a mountain. I'm telling you, if you'll get on a mountain with Jesus, you'll see him like you've never seen him before. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I'm speaking for this conference. I feel like I'm speaking for all of us when I say... We all desire to get on the mountain with Jesus. We want to see His glory, experience His Spirit in a highly intensified manner. I never did like lukewarm church, and I still don't like it. If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. 
we're going to have church. If the Bible said he would rather us be hot or cold, then let's be hot. If the choices are hot or cold, I choose hot. Brother Hannibal, I choose hot. If he'd rather us be hot or cold, come on, somebody, choose hot. Red, hot, Holy Ghost, apostolic. Holy Ghost revival. Apostolic anointing. Signs, wonders, and miracles. I think I speak for all of us when I say we're hungering to walk in the favor of God. The favor of God. I look for His favor. I want to be favored of God. I want to live a lifestyle that is extraordinarily blessed. That ain't going to make nobody happy. They may not like it. You know the saying, favor's not fair. (laughs) Unless it happens to you. But I want that favored life. Even if it does make the devil mad. I want to be extraordinarily blessed. Extraordinarily gifted. Extraordinarily anointed. I'm not looking for the -the run-of-the-mill anointing. I'm not trying to have an average ministry. I'm not trying to get in the middle of the pack. I'm running with everything. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? I mean, you're hungering to get out there in the front of this thing. Anybody feel an anointing to leadership? I mean, does anybody just want to lead? I mean, you want to be a leader. You don't don't want to spend your life at the back of the line. You You feel something stirs you that says, if God would just help me. I could point the way. I could show the direction. I could lead the cause. God wants to raise up some leaders in this house tonight. I know it's become popular through the last number of years to tell you to be satisfied where you are and with what you're doing. And they say it's not always a pulpit ministry. And it's not always apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And it's true. It's not always that. But sometimes it is. And tonight I'm just going to talk about when it is. Because I feel God's calling some preachers. Bullpen. I feel there's some calling on some evangelists here tonight. You're going to preach with fire. I believe there's some calling on some pastors here tonight. You're going to lead with wisdom. There could be some missionaries here tonight. I feel the mighty call of God. I feel some intercessory prayer warriors. I feel like God's going to raise up some musicians. They're going to sing some songs like we've never heard. God's calling somebody that's been singing in the choir to take the microphone and sing a lead part. God's looking for somebody he can ask to step out. Take the mic and sing like I've anointed you to sing. And you hear me. The Bible. I just stand solely on authority of word. The Bible does not prevent anyone from the highly sought after. High places of the Spirit. 
However, there is a question. Bravely, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? So I'm asking the question. Who is going to climb this mountain? And who among us is going to stand in that holy place? And make no mistake about it. It's a holy place. It's holy ground. It's a sacred thing. I'm not talking about grabbing a mic and getting your swag on. I'm not talking about just a weekend gig. If you think I'm preaching about that, you're missing my point. I'm talking about a high place. I'm talking about something far more valuable, far more precious. I'm talking about a high and holy calling of God. It's a holy place. I'm asking this conference tonight, who among you is going to accept the challenge of the call of God that we have felt in this conference? Now I feel like I'm preaching to some giant slayers and killers, but who are you? Is there anybody here that's going to be like David and it's going to stir up, is there not a cause? Is there anybody here that's jealous for the Lord? Is there anybody here that wants to see the mighty revelation of the mighty God in Christ have a great revival? Is there anybody that loves the oneness enough to become a hero? Is there anybody here that loves Acts 2.38 enough? That loves the new birth of water and spirit enough to say, I'm not going to be average. I want to be a voice. I want to be a, I want to be a mighty voice for the cause. If you want to be that person, shout yes. You can be seated. And you need to hear what I'm going to say. I feel a unique apostolic authority here tonight. I appreciate the authority and the release of bishop and pastor that they've given me in these conferences. You cannot just go up there. As much as God wants to elevate you there. As much as we as a church need you to go to the mountain. You can't just run up that mountain. You got to prepare. And you must meet the qualifications. You have to have clean hands. And a pure heart. And you must not be lifted up to vanity. I don't know what they're teaching you, but I know what I was taught. They taught us that the platform and the pulpit was no place for pride. I think it's time we see less of you and more of him. We need that John the Baptist spirit. I must decrease, but he must increase. That's a, that's a mountain climbing attitude right there. That's a mountain climbing spirit. Somebody, somebody said to me one time, said, you can always tell a proud man, but you can't tell him much. I believe it's the will of God we go to the high places. It's my desire and God's desire you go to the high places. But you need to understand there are dangers associated with heights. 
The higher you go, the more critical your actions become. We're careful on ladders. Because we realize you take a few steps up and the fall can be a little harder. Rooftops and cliffs because a fall from there. The higher you are, the more hazardous the fall. We take precautions to protect our little ones from the top of staircases. Because we understand they're simply not ready for that height just yet. And yet, despite the dangers, here we are. Well aware of the consequences, here we are. Understanding the dangers that exist, we yet long for those high places. And someone, someone needs to go. Someone needs to take the risk. Some of the greatest views are seen from the highest points. I've been privileged often to fly at 35,000 feet. You can see things from up there you can't see from any place else. I've taken off in storms where it was dark and rainy and the wind was blowing only to break through the clouds and get up there where the skies are blue. The sun is shining. Up there is a different dimension. You get above the storms. But the margin for mistakes up there is minimal. You can blow an engine in your car and just drift off to the side of the road. But if you blow an engine at 35,000 feet, you're in a full-fledged emergency. Because the falls from low places are not that critical. But if you fall from there, it's a long way down. The highest place on earth is the peak of Mount Everest. It's what's in my picture up there. It's just over 29,000 feet. There has been many failed attempts to climb that mountain and reach that peak. Many deaths in the process. The first Humans to actually reach the peak arrived on May the 26th, 1953. Think of how many hundreds, even thousands of years that peak sat there and nobody had ever been there. Not a single soul. Spectacular views of Everest come with a series of dangers. Those who climb that peak must already be skilled climbers. You don't start out mountain climbing on Everest. That's not your first big rodeo. Amen. You must have climbed some other mountains before you tackle the big boy. You will have been climbing for a long time, years in preparation. Before you get to Everest. And then when you finally do decide to tackle Everest. The actual climb from the bottom to the top takes about eight weeks. I know you want the mic tonight. Eight weeks. Once you start climbing. Several weeks must be spent at each new altitude. 
You only could climb so far and then you have to stop, Brother Godwin. You can't just climb all the way to the top. You go up to a certain height and you camp out a while. Because your system has to get acclimated to the new oxygen levels. You're not even physically able. The oxygen level up there at the top is about one-third of what it is at sea level. If you were to be taken in a helicopter, if somebody just picked you up at sea level or at the base of Everest, and a helicopter took you to the top and dropped you on the mountain, in about three minutes you'd be unconscious. And in about eight minutes you'd be dead. But I want to go up there. Just give me a quick pass. Just give me a quick trip to the top. I'm ready. You'll die up there. If we dropped you in a helicopter, if we gave you a quick pass and a free journey to the top without all the struggle, in three minutes you'd be unconscious. That's why it hasn't happened yet. The final ascent after eight weeks... When it comes that final night and it's time to go to the peak, the final ascent takes between 8 and 12 hours to what is called the death zone. So named because the conditions at that height are so harsh to human survival, it's actually considered an alien climate. They climb through the night so that they can be there for the sunrise. And many have to take additional oxygen tanks. Because they can't get enough oxygen at the levels and while they're climbing. The wind blows at approximately 118 miles per hour year round. That is hurricane force winds up there. The temperatures can reach as low as 100 degrees below zero. And on a good climbing day, the temperature will be about 15 degrees below zero. The conditions in the high places are harsh. The winds blow hard. The temperatures get cold. Do you need me to make it spiritual? You're not getting it. The devils are big. The trials are hard. The dangers are many. Watch. After years of preparation, after weeks of adapting to the altitude, after hours of a final push up to the, through the darkness to the top of the mountain, once they finally get to the top, the maximum amount of time you could spend on Everest is an hour. More often, it's about 30 minutes. And sometimes, if it's especially difficult, they spend 15 minutes and they got to come down. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that would be willing to spend some years in preparation for 30 minutes on the mountain with God. They spend between sixty and eighty thousand dollars on equipment for thirty minutes at a place that few people will ever get to because there's just not many willing to pay that price. And there's just not many that can make the trip. Thirty minutes on the mountain, and they gotta come down. And the descent is as critical as the ascent. As a matter of fact, if you look into it, more lives are lost on the way down than on the way up. So I ask you, 
Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Who, he who has clean hands and a pure heart and has not lifted his soul to vanity. There are perils associated with the privilege and the pleasure of high places. You can be seated. I went with Brother Cole to Ethiopia in 1993. I saw over 36,000 people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost on my very first trip there. Blind eyes were open, lame walk, miracles and power everywhere. He called on me and I preached the message just before the healing service. And there were more miracles than we could catch on video. When I got home from that trip, I was pastoring in Lynchburg, Virginia. I got a little melancholy. I'm not sure that I had ever been depressed a day in my life till then. And I'm not sure I was depressed then, but I was feeling strange. I was unmotivated. I was just laying on the sofa. I didn't feel like doing anything. I got to talk to my brother Cole on the phone, and he asked how I was doing, and I told him, I, I don't know what's happening. I feel melancholy. I feel strange. I'm not motivated. I don't, I don't feel like I don't have the energy. And he started laughing. He said, ah, you're having reentry problems. He said, you're like the astronauts after walking on the moon. It's not the moonwalk that gets you. It's the splashdown. He said, son, you're going to have to get your feet back on the ground. You can't live on the mountain. He said, here's what I want you to do. Forget about 36,000. Forget about crowds of 300,000. He said, I want you to set a goal to go into your service this week and have one person receive the Holy Ghost. And he said, your assignment is one. And I want you to call me Sunday. And I called him Sunday and said, man, we got one, Bishop. We got one. You know what he was doing? He was helping me get my feet out of the clouds. He was helping me come down from my few moments on the mountain. I was becoming acquainted with the perils of high places. <laughs> it's dangerous up there. I remember one year, one of our missionaries was preaching the last service on the first day. We'd been there since 9 in the morning. It's 4 in the afternoon. We've been preaching all day. And I was standing right next to him. I had that front row seat you were talking about, son. I was right there. And he pointed his little finger in the missionary's face and said, We're tired. The people are tired. We need to get home before dark. I want you to preach for 30 minutes. The man went up there and started preaching. And I mean to tell you, it was magnificent. It was powerful. We had a half a million people on their feet, screaming and shouting. They were body surfing sick people up to the front to get prayed for. We were pouring anointing oil bottles out on handkerchiefs and all kinds of stuff. It was wild. He preached for 30 minutes, and Brother Cole stood on his feet the entire time. I never saw him stand that long in my life. At about 40 minutes, Brother Cole sat down. At about 55 minutes, his glasses were down on the end of his nose. At about an hour or something, he was yelling at the man, Sit down! Understand, the crowd was roaring. The people were magnificently being moved by God. At about an hour and 15 minutes, the man preaching was laid back on the four interpreters that were interpreting. They were holding him. His tie was undone. His shirt tail was out. He was laid back on the hands of the interpreters. He was just preaching to the sky. He's just preaching. People are going crazy. Everybody was loving it. And steam is coming out of Brother Cole's ears. 
when that man finally got done preaching, as was our custom, Brother Cole kind of sat in the front. I sat there with him, the team in a, in a long row behind, and you would have to walk by him kind of like the Godfather, and you came by him and hugged him, and he would tell you he did a good job. I was right there in that front row seat when the missionary comes staggering over, tie undone, shirt tail out. The crowd was screaming. The glory of God was falling, and he got over there, and Brother Cole grabbed him by the neck and pulled him into his face, and he said, how do you expect to be used of God? When you get drunk on the success of one single sermon. The man went to speak. He said, you are drunk on the anointing. I was learning the perils of high places. You can't let the pressure of high places affect you with pride or self-importance. The air is thin up there. It's possible to get disoriented up there. I didn't understand it all at the moment, but I learned that as the years went by, that if you got a half a million people and you've got a team of 30 plus Americans in a foreign country, there's a lot of things you have to be concerned about beyond your moment in the light. And there's a big picture. Do what you have to do. Say what you have to say. Let the anointing fall. But keep everybody else in mind. There's a team here. We're all in this thing together. And your actions affect me. And my actions affect you. And Brother Cole was teaching us that if I can't trust you up there to keep your head and keep your mind. Some of you might not agree. They put the timer over these young men. But I think it's excellent because you got to learn to keep your bearings. you got to learn to know your boundaries. you got to understand that when you get under the bright lights and when you get behind the roar of the crowd, there's got to be some clean hands and a pure heart. And you have to have learned submission and spiritual authority. Or you're going to go unconscious up there. I can't afford to get disoriented. I can't afford to run amok. I can't afford to make a shipwreck. The stakes are too high. What if God does raise one of us up? What if God does raise one of us up to preach to millions? What if one of us does end up with all the cameras pointed our way and we start preaching to millions? What if the the world stands up to hear our message? Is any one of us going to have the good sense to know what to do. Will any of us have the good sense to realize this is not my moment. This is our moment. That there were elders that lived and died for this moment. That there were apostles that gave their lives for this moment. This is not about me right now. This is about all of us. Come on, can God trust any of us up there on the high mountain, anybody at all? I want to take just a few extra minutes here. Maybe that's why Paul talked about the messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. That's because of his abundance of revelations. He becomes puffed up and explodes with pride. It would be better that you're never elevated and we never hear of you than for you to become our hero and then fall. Because when the mighty oaks fall, the timbers go with it. 
Paul's messenger from Satan helped him get his feet back on the ground after his visit to the third heavens. Gravity does not prohibit us from going up. We can overcome gravity. Hot air balloon. Airplane. Rocket ship. Gravity doesn't keep you from going up. Gravity is your only way of getting back down. It just makes sure you can come down after you've gone up. Somewhere in your life there has to be something or someone to help you with re-entry. After a great revival service, after a spiritual exploit, after a great financial blessing, after a mighty anointing, you've got to get back down on the ground and get back to being faithful and occupying till it comes. Back to working in the field of labor. We need some good man or woman in a local church that on any given Sunday could walk up to somebody in a wheelchair, pray the prayer of faith, and they get out and get miraculously healed and go back to work Monday morning and come back to church Wednesday night and take notes during Bible study. If God could ever just trust one of us to use us in such a way that we would not explode, I'm telling you there's a high place for you. You cannot live on a cotton candy high. And those who try become sick, anemic, and prone to disease. David knew the privilege and the peril of high places. He had prepared himself with a series of events that acclimated him for the high place. First a lion, then a bear. Finally Goliath would fall and he would step his foot on the high peak. Of spiritual victory. He ascended to the hill of the Lord. And they wrote a song. And they began to sing. Saul has slain his thousands. But David his ten thousands. This is extraordinary. This is unprecedented. This is like we've never seen before. But when God needed someone to slay a giant. When God was scanning the crowd for someone who would, by the nature of the conquest, become a hero. He didn't need someone who was exceptionally skilled with throwing a stone. There were lots of stone throwers. In any way, God was going to lead the stone to its mark. He wasn't looking for accuracy. He wasn't looking for force. He wasn't looking for the speed of markmanship. He wasn't looking for someone who could handle the stone. He was looking for someone that could handle the song. He needed somebody that was going to be able to keep their head when they started singing their song. When they started singing David's song, now stone throwing doesn't matter anymore. Now God needs somebody with a heart like his heart. He needs somebody that he could turn into a hero that they would sing songs about that would not explode with pride and arrogance. So the man we now know as a psalmist understood the power of the song. Once he learned the secret of handling the song, 
He forged his sermons in song. Psalms of mercy. Psalms of grace. Psalms of repentance. And psalms of faith. Because he learned how to handle the song. How are you going to respond when they sing your praises? That's all that really matters here tonight. How are you going to respond when they pat you on the back and say, I've never heard a message like that in my life. And we need somebody to preach one like we've never heard in our lives. But when you get done and we tell you it was magnificent, we just need you to get your feet back on the ground and go back to work in the field and be a faithful laborer for God. If you can handle the song, God's going to put a stone in your hand. And I'll take it a little deeper. How, how do you handle your brother's song? What are you going to do when they sing your brother's praises? What are you going to do when that pastor has the revival you want? When that evangelist preaches the meeting you wanted to preach? What are you going to do when they start singing their song? See, Saul hated David's song. We're going to have to learn to stop hating one another's song. There ain't too many people want to join the choir when it's not their song. But brother Godwin, God help me. God help me. If you have the revival I've dreamed about, if you see what I've prayed for, if God raises you up, God help me not to hate your song. God help me. It's a ministry and song trying to be born here tonight. They've been telling us, don't get in a hurry here. I, I got a little bit more preaching, but I feel there's a deep work of the Holy Ghost. Would you like to pray for a second right here, just for a moment? Break us. Mold us. That's it. We're not going to pray it through right here, but I want you to pray in. I want you to connect to a little bit deeper anointing for just the last five to seven minutes here. I got a few more minutes. Your heart is open. The plow is deep. The calling on your life is strong. But God's trying to help you. Listen to me. Listen to me. We need someone who can handle reentry. We need ministries. You can be seated a moment. I'm about five to seven minutes, but something needs to be planted in your heart. We need ministries that can ascend to the mountain, but can flourish in the valley. We need you to ascend to the mountain. But we need you to be the kind of person that can flourish in a valley. Mountains have what they call tree lines. It's a certain height 
You can see it if you look at a mountain, it looks kind of bald on the top. There's a certain point where the trees stop growing. It's not because they didn't plant up there. It's because there's a certain height where growth is not possible. You don't grow on the mountain. You go to the mountain, but you don't grow on the mountain. You grow in the valley to get the strength and the character to go to the mountain. When we can learn to live in valleys and visit mountains, we're going to turn this world upside down. The same rain, the same rain that falls in the valley, bringing growth and renewal, becomes a deadly mixture of ice and snow on the mountain. The warm winds that blow gently across the foothills of the valley, how harshly bringing destruction and death on the mountain. So we need to learn the principles that will keep us. Maybe that's why Luke taught us when you're bidden of any man to the wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than you be bid of him to come. And they come to you and say, give this man your place. And you with shame have to take the lowest room. No, when you're bidden, go and sit in the lowest room. And when he that asks you to come comes, he will say to you, friend, come up higher. We have to wait for somebody to ask us to come up higher. See, here's a valley principle. The righteous man falleth seven times and getteth up again. You can fall over and over in the valley, but you only get one fall from the mountain. You can spend most of your time in the valley, that's your safety zone. The righteous man can fall seven times and get up, but once you get up there, you can't fall from up there. It wasn't the paw of the lion. It wasn't the claw of the bear. It wasn't even the growl of Goliath that brought David down. David's problem came when he spent too much time on the rooftop. He said it was evening and David rose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's palace. And from the roof he saw the woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. He can't stay up on the rooftop. If you spend too much time up there, there's going to be trouble. You can't breathe right up there. Hear me as I tell you. When you accepted the call, the devil started planning your fall. But if we develop our character and our apostolic principles, and we have apostolic authority in our lives, and bishops watching for us. And pastors watching for our soul. And we have accountability in our life. The devil's plan will be foiled. God is trying to call us to some high places. But not at the expense of our souls. Nor at the destruction of our ministries. I'll close by telling you this story. God opened my understanding to the parable of the wise and foolish man who built on the rock and the sand when I was very young in ministry. I was caught in a paradox. 
I was going to these apostolic conferences where they were preaching about signs, wonders, and miracles, and gifts of the Spirit, and great ministries, and great anointing. And I went to one evangelist seminar, and the man preaching got up and said, Who wants to be the greatest evangelist that has ever lived? And that thought, well, I can't say that. That'd be arrogant or prideful or whatever. And when none of us answered, he said, Every one of you should be ashamed of yourself. If you don't want to be great for God, you have no business in the ministry. And so I'm caught between trying to be humble and trying to... Please, God, I don't know which one I'm supposed to do. And the paradox continued. I'd go to conferences where they would challenge me to be great and do exploits. And they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And then I'd be also reminded that it is with humility and character and the right spirit and with meekness and preferring your brother. And, and I found myself caught in between. I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to bow down or stand up? Am I supposed to run hard or let others go first? I don't know if I'm supposed to be first or last or where I belong. And so I was in prayer. And I was telling God, I want to be great. I want to turn America upside down. I want to be the greatest evangelist that ever lived. But oh God, I don't want to backslide. I won't be lost. Somehow we've equated success and backsliding. That somehow if you do great for God, get ready. Your time's up. You're going to hell. And it's because we've seen them get to the mountain and come tumbling down. So if we seem to be rising too quick, elevating too fast, somebody's going to try to help you and say, Hey, slow down. The air's thin up there. You don't want to climb too fast, young man. You're going to get winded. You're going to get disoriented. And we feel like they're holding us back. And limiting our ministry, quenching the spirit, trying to stop our anointing, and they're just trying to save our life. So I'm praying, God, I don't know if I'm supposed to be great or not great. I don't know if I'm supposed to be the name evangelist that the whole world has ever seen, or if I'm supposed to die anonymously and nobody ever knows I walked on the earth. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I just want to be great but I want to be saved and I don't know and so I told God I said if I got to choose between the two I just want to be saved I don't care if I ever preach a camp meeting or a conference or see the dead raised just before I saw any miracles or anything that I've told you about I just regular guy just my church 20 people and just praying God I want to be saved and I had to make a decision and so I just chose God I just more than anything I want to be saved and I fell off into like a trance or something and it, I didn't hear a voice or didn't see a vision God just opened my understanding to the parable of the wise and the foolish man one that built on the rock and one on the sand and the wind came and the flood came and the rain came and beat on the house and the one stood and the other fell and it was like all my life I had learned that the wind and the flood and the rain were trials and troubles and tribulations and difficulties and sorrows and persecutions but if I had the right relationship with the Lord that I would withstand the storms and I could bear up under the wind and the flood and the rain and I would come through if I was just built on the rock which is Jesus Christ and suddenly I understood that it could just as easily be the floods of success and the showers of blessing and the winds of popularity and the same thing that keeps you in the valley will keep you on the mountain if you have the right relationship with the Lord build your house and your ministry on the rock if you'll come to these. Build on the rock. Stand with me across the house. I hope I've not preached too long. I prophesy to you, God is opening a door of the supernatural. We're ripe with prophetic utterance. 
their ministries tonight being called to the mountains. There are spiritual giants in the making right here, right now. There are heroes of faith that are walking down this aisle right now, coming to this altar. Oh, we must not become full of pride now. We can't be arrogant now. Not at this 11th hour. We must be humble. We must be submitted. So as you come to this altar tonight, as you bow at your seat to pray, as you find a place to begin pouring your soul out to God, who, who, I hear the Spirit asking, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who can anyone stand in that holy place? Can anyone stand in that high and holy place? Come on, fall upon the rock Christ Jesus here tonight. I wish somebody here would become qualified. God, let us become qualified. Come on, pray yourself in. Pray yourself into that holy place. Let the Spirit purge you. Search you. Ah, it's not a sad moment. This could be the greatest, most supercharged moment of your life. Oh! Melt. Melt. <laughs> Melt. Fight that lion. I'll fight that bear. I'm not going to sit here and wait on my Goliath moment. I'm not going to put my slingshot away until Goliath comes. I'll just rescue one sheep. I'll rescue one sheep. If that's my assignment. Yeah. 
you can be faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. This is the word of the Lord. God, I pray, give Brother Kyle that great revival. Give him the revival of his visions, the revival of his dreams. Let the previous battles just be lions and bears. Let him step out there on the big mountain now. God, search your motives. Search the intents of your heart. Purify your approach. Somebody's going to the mountain. I want to be qualified. I want to be ready. I want to go. Uh, I wonder if anybody be willing to pour out a loud travail. You'd be willing to really pour out the rest of your soul that God might take you to the mountain. Come on, we're going up to a high place. We got to tear the devil's kingdom down. We got to bring down some strongholds. Some giants have got to fall. We need some victories like we've never seen. Oh! We need some revivals like we've never seen. Who? Who? is searching. The call of God is in this place like a thick, dense cloud. I feel the thundering sound of the prophetic utterance. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Do you feel Him calling you? Who is going to stand in that holy place. Can you feel the call? Come on. Are you willing to pay the price? Tell him. Are you willing to make the long, hard climb to the top? <laughs> Woo! Are you willing to grab that slingshot? Are you ready to run out there and face down Goliath? Are you willing to pray, Lord, help me handle the song? Help me handle the song. 
Nobody can call you but God. Nobody can ascend you but the Lord. I don't know who's qualified. I don't know who's ready. Oh! God, I don't know if I'm ready, but I want to go. Help me! Get up to those high places. Oh! Oh! Come on, it's time for extraordinary prayer. It's time for extraordinary travail. It's time for somebody to give themselves away to the anointing. It's time for somebody to melt under the fervent heat of the holy anointing of God. Oh! Can anybody cry out? Can anybody wail? Can anybody travail to the mountain? into an authentic apostolic anointing. An anointing that will not get drunk on the success. We will not become intoxicated on the anointed success that God uses us in. Come on, you're going to learn to handle the song. If we can ever learn how to handle the song. Come on, this high place requires something. I feel like maybe we're getting close to entering the death zone. It's a final push to the top. The air is thin out here. Not many people get out here deep in the spirit. Somebody got to get up there. Not many people can make it to these kind of places. Can you let out one more great travail? One more great... Ah! Woo! God, help us handle the storm. So you can give us the stone.
to pray going with. Find up. somebody to lay hands on. Come on, we're going up to some high places. We're going to have some great revivals. We're going to see some mighty anointing. We're going to do it together. We're going there together.
tell you what we're going to do right now because I know we're so limited on space. I want some of you that can, and it's easy, I want you to move up on this platform because we're going to spend a few more minutes here in prayer. I want you to move up here on this platform. I want some of you that want to be a part of this, I want you to move on down this way. I'm going to tell you this is a word for our time. This is a word for this conference. This is a word from the Lord for us. I want you to get in here. Get close. I'm going to tell you if you're hungry at all. If you're hungry at all. If you're even a little bit hungry. God's going to fill you tonight. God's going to fill you tonight. He's going to answer you. I just want you to pray when you get up here. I want you to pray for your church. I want you to pray for your pastor. I want you to pray for your saints. I want you to pray for the singers, for the Sunday school teachers. I want you to pray for the people that have given their lives to the work of God. I want you to pray. 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 God wants 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 you to pray. Ah, ah. God across this congregation. I don't God, we're not going to drop the ball now. God, we're not going to come in last. You see these hungry hearts. You see this hungry heart. God, use these young people. Use these young people. God, help us, Lord, to help them. In the name of Jesus. God, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Fill them with the Holy Ghost right now. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. Ah, ah, talk to us. Talk to us. God, let us go home with new vision. New strength from the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. God, sweep across this congregation. God, I pray for the churches in Florida. God, I pray for our pastors. I pray for our pastor's wife. Ah, oh, oh. I pray for those that are health and ministry. God, I pray for them. God, I pray that they hold them up. Hold up those hands. Right here tonight. Ah, come on. 
Oh, let the saints' voice be lifted up. Oh, let the people of God's voices be lifted up. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. We want to go to those high places, but we want to grow in those valleys. Oh, what a message. What a message. What a message. What a message. Ah, what a voice to this church. What a voice to this conference. Ah, 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 ah. Glory, glory, glory. God, don't let anybody leave the same. Don't let anybody leave the same. Ah, don't let everybody leave untouched of the Holy Ghost. Ah, ah, glory. Glory. Ah. Ah. Glory. Glory. Ah. 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 Bless the saints. Strengthen the saints. Ah. Bless the leaders, the workers. Ah. Ah. Glory. Glory, glory. 